Hi, everyone. It's Max here. We're talking LAFC uh, on the podcast yet to be named. Don't want to force it. We don't want to force it, just like the name of our rivalry with the LA Galaxy. We don't force it. We wait till it comes organically. But thrilled to be here with you. A very special guest as the bubble has wrapped up in Orlando. LAFC are all back. We're so happy they are back. And here in LA, obviously, we'd love to see them have won this tournament. I was telling people how difficult it is to win this tournament. When you look at the favorites, I think you can put four teams on that top line. Seattle are the champs. Toronto are the finalists and perennial top team in Major League Soccer. Atlanta United, they had to make a coaching change during this tournament. That's how badly it went for them. And LAFC, LAFC went further than all of those. I always looked at this tournament and said, if you can get five games, that's great business. But once you get five, you want to reach the finish line. And it was ended at the hand of Orlando. And uh, all the best to the team still there. I mean, this was a chore just to go from the quarterfinals to the final. I think you're there another 10 days. So it's, it's very demanding for these guys inside the bubble. But we're going to talk to John Thorington, the general manager of LAFC, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss life in that bubble. And we will also uh, discuss the players and specific guys and what they were able to do in this tournament. Now I'm recording this podcast. There's a good chance that I'm doing this Thursday morning Pacific time, but there may be reports of the restart coming out here pretty soon. The next phase, things are going well. It appears the COVID numbers are at least plateauing and coming down. So in stadium games would be on the next stage here and uh, we welcome them. We don't know the dates, a lot of hurdles have to be cleared to get there. And that's kind of what I wanted to tell you about. And I think John will touch on that as well. Sports is something, it's had to fight through so much energy pushing the other direction. And for good reason, you know, safety comes first. But sports is pushed through and in that process has found a way, with some exception, NWSL and MLS, there were a flare up at the beginning of their tournaments, but then nothing to report afterwards. And then you look at what's happened in the European leagues, certainly Germany, which I will always say showed us the way. And then Italy, Italy's very interesting because they were the hotspot in Europe for COVID. And now they seem to have a control and they look at sports as a, a means to do it because in addition to the testing and if there's a bubble, you know, people look at athletes for their lead a lot of times. And if an athlete says, I'm going to stay in and I am going to take precautions for the, the greater good of getting us to play, then other people will, will look at that as a good example. I will wear a mask. I will wash my hands. All those things. Athletes, amongst many others in our, uh, in our everyday way of life, are examples that are set certainly for kids, and we know that. So this was no minor achievement that this tournament has been pulled off, and it is not complete yet, MLS is back, outside of the, those Dallas and Nashville situations without really any health concerns. So you talk to players about it and they felt very safe inside that bubble. Now, as sports move forward, can we keep looking into bubbles? Possibly. Eventually, you would have to move away from that. This is one step towards the next where you get out of bubbles and you play in stadium, but that requires a lot of discipline from a lot of people. And once that comes along, we'll see how it's executed. I know in baseball, they're doing that now, and there have been problems. We, I, I wake up every morning and I get on Twitter and, and the news, and I, I just hope that I don't, or I turn on Sports Center, and I hope that there's not another incident. And maybe the players get the idea. And I think we've got to give athletes and coaches and referees. Don't forget the referees. They made a big uh, uh, contribution and sacrifices that uh, they're getting it. And if they can get it, we can get it. 
just wanted to say that beforehand, we'll have more details. I'll join you again and I'll go through a, a fine tooth comb about the next phase of MLS play, which would be the season. Uh, I look forward to that show because that's something we look forward to and it would allow me to call games again for YouTube TV. So uh, we will discuss that next week. In the meantime, I'm going to duck out here. When we return, we'll have a very detailed conversation in depth with John Thorrington, the general manager of LAFC, who was inside the bubble for the duration. And he'll give us his insight. He's a great, he is, he is so forthright with all the information. We're very lucky to have him and he's brilliant at what he does. That's coming up next here on Inside LAFC. Here on Inside LAFC, thrilled to be with uh, our VP, General Manager John Thorrington, to discuss the bubble, to discuss LAFC as we get ready for uh, a potential next phase. But you've got to be happy to be home here, John. Uh, what was the bubble like uh, for you? And uh, what were you able, how flexible were you able to do to be able to function in your work environment? Yeah, I would say, firstly, yes, it is. It's bittersweet because we had the ambitions and hopes of winning the tournament and still being in the bubble. But the silver lining is it's certainly good to be back home with our families. And this is our first day of training here at the performance center. Now with, with the guys, we understandably, they had some time off and staff had some time off after we got back on Saturday and to lick our wounds. And now we're, we're back at it. And yeah, the, the bubble was, actually more pleasant than I would have predicted you know for for us there was plenty of time uh you know we, we trained once a day so our rhythm of of days you got used to it fairly quickly I would say the bubble was far easier on us than it was for those our families that we left behind dealing with you know I, I really have to credit the staff and the players and and their significant others, their wives, et cetera, to, to carry the burden while we were all gone and allow all of us to, to focus on what we had to do. But I have to give credit to the league and to Disney. There were a few speed bumps early, and most of those were before we got there with some learnings they had with testing protocol and with the, the, situa the unfortunate situation with Dallas and Nashville. But by the time we got there, I feel like those lessons had been learned and it was relatively smooth for us, the testing, the meals, the training. And, you know, we went through all those consecutive days with no positive tests. So we felt like we were in the safest place in the world. And certainly as, as best they could, there were activities and the gyms they set up and things that guys could, uh, it could be as pleasant an experience as being in a, biodome for three four five weeks uh can be did that surprise you because i think a lot of folks including myself when we heard about it were saying this this is going to have some glitches this is going to be very difficult you have so many players and teams so much so many logistics to keep in mind so when you look at the way it fell into place was that surprising how well it did because they're continuing till the end there's still three teams playing they continue to have zero tests around zero positives around those that are still competing yeah being in the bubble you can see how secure the bubble is i mean literally you only leave the property to get on your bus with your driver who's been tested and other than that and there's 
what, what I didn't quite understand is how they could pull this off without interacting with the Disney staff who probably weren't as, under as strict a protocol as we were, but you literally did not see any staff. It, it actually reminded me of, I, we as a, as a company, I don't know if there was the executive team or, but a group of us actually went to Disneyland because they do a customer service seminar type thing and they take you behind Disney and show you how they, uh, how they address customer service. And you go backstage at Disneyland and it is incredible the amount of work that goes on <laughs> that the guests do not see. And that's what it felt like. I mean, the, the amount of organizing and things just to do our meals and everything, but you literally saw nobody. You saw the servers who were behind uh, a barrier that would serve our food and that was it. There was literally no interaction. The, the rooms got serviced when we were away, maybe once or twice, and you could opt out of that if needed. So in the bubble, you could see how I would be, surpri I was, I would be surprised if there was any spread within the bubble. I think where we benefited was being the last group to go. I think there was a lot of stress and anxiety as tests started to come in that first week. And we were the first league to really do this. I shouldn't say NWSL as well, but what, what the league learned in its testing protocol already applied to us. So we tested closer to our flight and didn't train between our last test and our flight, whereas other teams did. And I think that's what the league learned and we minimized that risk of any teams bringing cases into the bubble. And that's a, that's a big win because uh, there was thoughts like was, originally it was like they wanted teams to come in two, three weeks before, and then they, fi they finally pulled it down. So being able to come in a few, let's say a week or less, mm -hmm. that is a blueprint they could follow moving forward for teams. I mean, everyone wants to do the bubble, but you could probably do that moving forward. It's, you know, it's interesting because you could go, you can apply the lesson one of two ways. You can say, well, if a team brings it in, you need to isolate them and you need to have enough time to isolate those cases before play, which a week is not enough time, right. or you need to implement stricter protocol where to minimize the risk of that latency period between your test and potentially carrying the virus, but not the viral load that would would signal a positive and then that five to seven day period when you're in the bubble. What I would say though is what we did was for the first seven days outside of training, the group was in quarantine. So we literally, we'd go down we'd get the meals and you go back to your room. There was very limited interaction just so that we knew for sure we could get through that period. And that's not to say we relaxed after that, but we certainly knew that that one risk factor of bringing cases in was now uh, we were past that time frame and we're able to relax a little bit. But that put the, the ball in the club's court and clearly LAFC delivered with that. So we're MLS, there was two clubs and we won't get into how they did it, but the other 24 clubs worked those protocols coming in that short time and were able to have, for lack of a better expression, a clean bill of health. Yes, and okay. I think, you know, I think only three teams, you know, there were a number of teams who had positives in market, which disrupted their training. There were other teams who had one case that didn't spread. There were other teams who had cases that did spread. So there were, there was quite a wide variance of teams experience with it all. And what I would credit our players is despite being in 
a market where spread is real and still continues to be real, our players and staff have been disciplined enough to where we have not had any interruption due to a positive test. And speaking of market, you're going to a market, which was a high risk area, but it was completely the Disney campus and Orlando were separate. We were not in Orlando. You're not Orlando. We but were, there, was no, there was not this bigger bubble that extended no, to the city. We, were going, we, we went to a resort that <laughs> happened to be in Orlando. We did not go to Orlando. I think people need to hear that so to, to just make it abundantly clear. And with the other teams, you did outside of games, no real interaction between those teams. No, you would see you would see people. I mean, we ironically we were on the same floor, but we were on the we were on the west wing, and Orlando was on the east wing before we played. So you definitely saw teams and and in passing in the halls and and things for testing. Um, and then we all you know half the team trained in the morning, half the team trained. So you you did see people, but uh, the level of interaction was minimal outside of games. I'll close it the bubble talk with this, but is this something with MLS that you'd feel confident with what they've done, not just for this league while we are dealing with COVID, but for other leagues to follow this? Because you mentioned NWSL and MLS was first, and we can go back to the European leagues, which kind of showed us the way, but this is, this is, there's confidence here that this is a means to get sports off and running. I certainly think that to do it when we did it, this was the only way to do it. I think now as we're transitioning, and, and human nature is such that, so if you talk to a baseball player right now, his approach and probably level of discipline on average for a baseball player is far stricter now than it would have been had you talked to him three weeks ago. So I think we did learn some lessons through Dallas through Nashville through some teams who had their own cases etc but you know for us it is the bubble was secure there were guardrails in place that no there was no bound there were such strict boundaries that no player could push those boundaries now the challenge is different returning to markets aside from the few teams that are still going in Orlando the challenge is different because the players need to remain disciplined when they're not at training and the bubble provided that automatically. Now it is slightly different. I do think, again, our players showed prior to the bubble and then, you know, we continue to test negative and I, and I hope that continues to be the case. Our players have shown the discipline required to keep a clean bill of health as best we can. But the challenges now are different as we come back into market and hopefully we'll be playing games in market um, with uh, within the conference or however the league determines the schedule. And we'll get to that when we have more details. And obviously we look forward to that, but this facilitated that, which is great news. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk a little about the, the team. Sure. I, I emailed this to you and I emailed this to Bob. When you have a, uh, a competition with 24 teams where, well, where everyone's invited, winning it is very difficult. I think we saw that with the favorites, Atlanta, Seattle, you guys extended your stay over all those teams. Mm -hmm. uh, you had two, I could, you could call them famous bubble wins over the yeah. Galaxy and Seattle. And obviously getting five games is good for those guys. But let's start from kind of the beginning. What was, what was it like getting into training and seeing those guys? How ready were they from that moment? I know some guys were still not 90 minutes, but how ready were they from that moment to when the, the, the practice time in Orlando to when they actually got to play a bit? 
Yeah, I think our, look, our preparation here in LA prior to Orlando, then the, the, the week we had in Orlando to prepare for that first game. But this is unlike anything any of our players have ever done. You've, no player has ever gone into a meaningful match without a scrimmage or an 11 v 11, but our, our squad depth and what have you did not allow and rules and COVID, et cetera, did not allow for that. And what I would say is our, the way we managed Orlando without any soft tissue injuries, um, which you saw in the majority of teams and the amount of physical effort our guys put in was remarkable given the conditions. Part of it was our own doing, but the way the draw ended up having a quick turnaround and three games in eight days in those conditions, it eventually caught up with us. And that's the unfortunate part because I don't think we were able in the last game to show what we had shown in the previous rounds where it looked like it was all coming together um, in a really powerful way when you look at how we played against Seattle and the energy and what have you. But, you know, it, it's, it's really hard. I was just sitting on the sideline and it's really hard to convey how stifling those conditions are. I mean, the game was moved an hour earlier. It was the hottest day since we'd been there. And it was, it was really, really challenging for the players to get going. And credit them, they hung in. Second half, we pushed the game. Still should have won. I mean, that's the, you know, we didn't. But we should have won that game because of the effort the guys put in in the second half. Your keeper makes a big save. And, you know, look, they get a set piece late, they score, and then penalty kicks is the coin flip. So all that said, I think overall we're really proud of how the players responded to the challenge. It was a, a big test for them mentally, physically, and I'm really proud of how the staff and players tackled the challenge. I just want to ask you this quickly, a little off topic, but Jim Curtin brought up that this should be something on the calendar to have a tournament before the MLS season. Is that something you think would have some legs or you would support? Yeah, I, I didn't, I, I certainly support it in this circumstance because I do think it's the only option. If you were to ask me, is it possible? Absolutely, we've shown it's possible. How sensible it would be would depend on all the other conditions and whether we can have pre-seasons as normal whether the league needs another competition given, you know, if, if we did this in preseason, well, teams are in champions. Yeah, the, the mechanics of it might be difficult, but I do think it is nice to know that we have shown that this is a viable option if needed. One of the big stories, not just with LAFC, but throughout the tournament was Bradley Wright Phillips. And you obviously had a conversation about bringing him on here when you had, without COVID, this is prior to COVID, without Vela, when Vela and Dio was there, with, with Vela and Dio in the games, you can't really promise him a lot of minutes, but he still came here. And as he started scoring goals, Twitter on the national media, go, how can this guy who didn't go to D.C. United where he could have been the featured guy? So can you get a little into those conversations where like, hey, we may not get you these minutes, but now he's an essential part in this tournament for LAFC? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, 
it's a bit naive when you come into a season and you have 11 players and you say, this is it. Things change so quickly. I mean, you look at someone like Mark Anthony Kay or Latif Blessing and, you know, you have these best laid plans, but the idea is just to get as many talented players who are bought in into your training environment and you utilize them and the, co the coaching staff, Bob and, and the staff have done a great job of utilizing what's all the players that have been at their disposal. We have a lot of really talented players. The first time I talked to Bradley Wright Phillips and I just said, Hey, what do you want? What, what is next for you? And let's see if, if we are the right fit. And he said, I want to come to LAFC because I want to win MLS cup. And I think you guys give me the best chance of doing that. So you get players have different priorities and you get some guys where it's most important that they're the main guy and you know that no matter what you're you're starting and what have you and look brad has come and started every game and he's done really well and been rewarded for all the effort he's put in i still think there's more to come from him because you know, he hadn't played a game in almost a year and and comes in and i mean he's still he's he's getting fitness as as we go and i think we're really excited to see what what comes the remainder of this year from him and and, and potentially beyond so you know, players just have different priorities. He's, he's motivated to win. He's, I played with and for a number of people at the Red Bull organization who, before I even was in the conversation about acquiring him, just spoke so highly of him as a guy and as a professional and his record speaks for itself. And we had him in in preseason. We evaluated him physically. Our staff did a great job of managing the issues he had. And now we put him in a position to be successful and and that that's something that i'm really happy for brad and certainly happy for our organization as well i'm going to couple the next question with both of these guys uh not just because they're uruguayan but they played i think every minute of every game showing uh we talked about the physical demands and these guys look like they could have played 180 minutes per game if that's possible but diego rossi is probably going to end up as the top scorer of this tournament and Brian Rodriguez, who had a couple great goals in some moments, how would you evaluate what they were able to do? Because clearly they both took a, a, a significant step forward in their, in their development as young players. Yeah, I'll start with Brian. I think Brian is a young player who has incredible potential. And we identified that and we sort of bled him in gently last year. And then he was called upon in some big games and showed um, exactly what we were expecting, that he has great potential, but is not the finished product as yet. And it's our goal to, to get him there. And I think with each, with each game and training session, you're starting to see a maturity in, in Brian of him reaching, getting closer to the, the very high ceiling that he has. And he certainly had some really encouraging performances uh, in Orlando and showed uh, physically that he can handle he could handle the demands really well. Diego obviously has been here a bit longer. He's a bit older, and I think this theme of maturity is what you saw. I think Diego recognized we were that we were without Carlos and really stepped up. And I think that was something that we were hoping to see, and we certainly saw it. I mean. The consistency of his performances, the physical output he puts in in a game is unlike anything I've ever seen. It is um, his numbers of 
speed, of number of sprints, of ground covered, things like that are absolutely remarkable. And for, uh, for us, it's great benefit when, he's, when he adds the finished product to it and certainly scored seven goals. And Diego could tell you he probably could have scored 15. But, you know, certainly for us, that when Diego and Brian play like that, it is really hard um, to contain both of them, one or both of them. And, you know, I think when we were at our best, we, we showed uh, that relentless attack uh, to great effect. Seemed like there was a great team spirit. I even saw it in the penalty shootout. You could see Diego, vamos, Kenneth. And there was, there was a very good good vibes between players and positivity when someone scored or did something well. Speaking of that is, I don't want to go through all the players, but a lot of newer faces got some valuable minutes. Pancho, Asifu got in there. I'll throw Christian Torres in there here. I know he didn't play, but to get this kind of training must be invaluable for a player of his age. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously Bryce Duke playing support and Danny Musovsky. When, when you see the, the process of giving lots of new faces, significant minutes. Uh, how did you see that play out? Yeah, look, we, we knew our depth would be called upon. I mean, we also saw Andy Nahar get his first minutes amongst all the others that, that you mentioned. Christian, it was a great experience for him to be in the group. And I think had games played out a little bit differently, he was certainly knocking on the door for some minutes, which, you know, I have, I have no doubt we will see uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, now as, as we continue the season. And, yeah, for us, depth is really important. I think when we were able to call upon substitutes who made a difference, that in, in this tournament in particular, if you look at the games where we did really well, that was a consistent theme throughout, was our, our subs' ability to come into games and impact the game in a really positive way and continue – um, our high level of, of energy and, and, and quality. And so guys like, you know, Poncho did that, did that really well. Bryce went to so everybody that, that was given those opportunities by and large um, did so and, and did so, did so to good effect. And that depth as we look forward to the rest of the season is going to be incredibly important because games are going to come thick and fast there's going to be, you know, travel involved now, et cetera. And we will certainly be utilizing as many, or Bob and, and the staff will be utilizing as many players as possible. And how do you foresee that? We know Carlos is the consummate professional, this group. How, how quickly do you think they just merge together as the unit that we will see when a MLS season picks up uh, back in business, business whenever that is? Yeah, I think one of the things that, was noticeable in the tournament is we were without the best player in the league. And I think there were some questions externally as to what that would mean for LAFC. But I think what this group showed is whoever is on the field, this is how we play. And therefore going from one season to the next, going from a stop start because of the pandemic, that process continues. And, you know, th this, this process of building what the, the best team possible is exactly that. It's a process. And we're, you know, I still think part of me feels like we've done a lot. We've laid this foundation. But we're still just scratching the surface of what this team can be. We're incredibly young. 
We have a lot of players who are learning sometimes painful lessons where we're giving up goals late and things that are just a, whether it's concentration or leadership. We, with a young team, they're growing on the job and you can't short circuit growth. And it's, it's growing pains with this young team at times. Um, but there are also things that we saw in this tournament that showed uh, what we can be. And, and that I think this, this tournament, you do the post-mortem, you evaluate and you can say, well, this is the things that are really positive and we need to continue. And these are the areas we need to improve. So in that sense, the tournament was really valuable. We appreciate everything you were able to do, John. This was honestly, we got to, I got to go back in a studio to cover these games. And, you know, I thought that was still way down the, the way down the road with Bernard and Mark Rogandino and, being able to sit there and cover these games was a very special feeling. I won't forget it. I don't think people will forget. Do you think people people will remember this tournament? Hopefully yeah, this we don't is, have uh, again, but this is something people will remember. I hope we never have to do it again. <laughs> but no, certainly it was uh, it was a surreal experience. It was great to get back to work uh, for players, for staff, for the organization. So it, it certainly served us well in that regard. I know you obviously missed your family and your friends, but what was the one thing outside of those two things that you missed the most coming back to NLA and you had to do as soon as you could? Tie between surfing and Mexican food. <laughs> How was I did, I did both on the Saturday and, we got home. So. so you had the tacos on the board as you were? I surfed first and then came up for uh, – <laughs> margarita and some tacos well i was i didn't want to make you feel bad but while you're away the water was great but the water was still great uh when you came back we, we live in the, in the south bay area but getting to take my bike down there is, is a wonderful escape so i'm glad you were able to enjoy it the food there was a the food obviously not mexican food. yeah the food okay. was fine they did a good job i think there were concerns there but the food was fine they had restaurants there that we could use uh, we could go to from time to time so uh yeah for us that was a non-issue John, I appreciate your time. We look forward to the next phase, and we look forward to seeing this team as a, as a complete unit do what they do best. So uh, we appreciate that. And please subscribe to our podcast and all the wonderful podcasts available here on LAFC's Family of Podcasts. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Max. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. You got it. Oh, yeah.